Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. We're going to continue in Peter here. This hopefully will be our last Sunday, just uh, finishing these two books. And so we're going to read through here and see what the Lord has for us. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for Peter. Thank you for his life and that he left these words for us. Lord, we ask even now, Holy Spirit, that you would just cause them to come alive on the inside of us. Holy Spirit, any tweaking, conviction, help, explanation that you want to give us, we just open our spirits up to you today as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's uh, jump on in, Second Peter chapter 2. So uh, we're going to do 2 and 3 is the plan today, starting with verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people. He's speaking of Old Testament false prophets that were rising, saying the wrong things, just as there will also be false teachers among you. And I would say Fast forward, I'm not adding to scripture, but this is still happening in our day as well, not just in Peter's day, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. So part of what Peter is sharing through his two books is our warnings to us as to what we listen to and who we're listening to and the type of teachings that we're listening to. There are a lot of unscriptural things that are taught uh, out and about. That's why we need to know the word so that we can discern what is the Lord's and what is not, and throw those things out. So he's he's warning us, warning them, destructive heresies, there are plenty of them, even denying the master who bought them. Many of those heresies are still existing today. In fact, you have, boy, even some denominations now that don't believe that Jesus is God. It goes, it just is pervasive in many, many ways bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow, verse 2, their sensuality, the teacher's sensuality. Many will follow their sensuality, which is really, in particular, advocating immoral living, that that is okay. Having sex outside of marriage, having sex homosexually, all different kind of adultery and things like that. There's, there, there are teachers out there, and I know even some pastors um, that have said those things are okay. Grace just covers everything. You just do whatever you want to do. That is a false, that's, that's destructive heresy. It really is. And that's not being mean. It is just, it's just reality. In fact, it's talked about over and over and over and over and over in the scriptures to warn us, to be aware, don't buy into this stuff. And in our world that we're in, as you know, this is more than ever, especially the sexual side of things, just where everything just blends together. There's no right or wrong. So he's warning us here, this is, it's destructive, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. And in their greed, so there's often greed attached to some of those teachings that they're getting for themselves, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. 
In other words, don't get worried about those that are doing this. Don't get all stirred up emotionally about people who are doing those things the wrong way because God will take care of that. What we make sure is that we're not doing those things, right? And we can pray for and ask God to help and convict those people, but we don't need to get distracted or stirred up with bitterness or all kind of emotion against what is being done wrong. Let's do what's right. Let's love other people. Let's live in a, in a way of holiness, the way that we're asked to do. Verse four, which is maybe the longest sentence in the Bible. It's actually seven verses. Here we go. For you English teachers, just you'll have to just grin and bear it. Just hang on. We'll get through this. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and you can look about any translation, it still says the same thing, and committed them to pits of darkness, reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness with seven others, and he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, it's an example for us. And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. So Peter is going through here a history of even before humans were created, perhaps, talking about angels that have fallen, the reserved for judgment, as well as all of the things that have happened since then. God is not just letting things um, happen or go unpunished. He is patient, but he will deal with things that we don't have to deal with ourselves or can't as well. This is still the same sentence, by the way. Verse 9, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation, which reminds me of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. God always provides a way of escape. With any temptation, the enemy slings at us. God doesn't tempt. He will test, but he doesn't tempt. That's what the evil one does. But in the temptation that the enemy brings, God provides a way out. He provides a way to choose him and to say no to that. For Joseph, it was running away from that woman, right? There are, sometimes we have to run away from sin. There's a way out, but we've got to set our heart towards the right thing. So continuing on with the same sentence. And to keep the, right, the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and, and despise authority. Again, we're talking about immorality. And he's saying especially there's, there's, there's judgment related to what we do. God really cares about how we 
handle and our behavior with our physical bodies that he's given to us, these tents that he's living inside of for believers, these bodies, these earth suits, how we conduct ourselves with these bodies, you know, we get to choose that. Where we go, what we do, what we're going to say, what we're going to get involved with. God is saying, don't get your, don't let the lusts on the inside of you run their course. Don't allow them to dictate what's going on with your life. Don't indulge those things. There are 40, at least 40 passages in the New Testament about avoiding immorality and some of the repercussions, the consequences related to that. Super important. So this is a reminder, Peter, to those folks, but also to us. Daring, still in the same sentence, self-willed. They do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. Verse 13, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions. They carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed. There's those two things together, sensuality and greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam. And as you know, Balaam was a guy looking for a way to curse God's people. It was a judgment for him. The son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he received a rebuke for his own transgression. For a mute donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. There's no fear of God is what Peter's talking about. In these, these certain people, they don't have any fear of God. There's no reverence of God. There's no um, awareness of the cost of sin. They're just going headlong into this and influencing others. Verse 17, these are springs. He speaks about them more. These are springs without water and mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, repeated theme, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. This reminds me of Galatians 5.13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve each other. Jesus sets us free, but then we get to use that freedom to do several things, whether it's serving ourselves or loving one another. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Whatever overcomes us, Romans 6 says they're very similar. Whatever overcomes us, we're enslaved to that thing. Now we can break free of that thing. Don't have to remain enslaved to it. Thank you, Jesus. Repentance, the blood of Jesus, breaks chains of bondage, breaks sin, breaks enslavement. Verse 20, for if after they escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. 
the last state has become worse for them than the first. He's speaking of the state of people who meet Jesus, give their lives to him, and then go back and get re-entangled in immoralities, can find themselves in a worse state than they were in previously. As it says in Hebrews 10, we give trample underfoot the grace of God. Now, this is Peter speaking here, and we know all know Peter's part of Peter's story anyway, right? Where he, having tasted, walked with Jesus, was a leader of Jesus' crew, and then he fell away, denied Jesus, quit the ministry, went back fishing. So he's walked through some of this himself in a sense, not necessarily on the immorality side, but in the denial of Jesus' side, and he experienced the grace of God. So he's not talking about if that were to happen to someone, there's no hope for you. But he's talking about if you're gonna continue in that, that state is going to be even worse than before you ever met Jesus. It's a, it's a downward spiral that is, not, that is not good. Verse 21, for it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. Which is one reason why it's so dangerous, these things he speaks of before, of listening to heretic teaching, teachings that mix in sensuality and immorality that get you to do things that you're not supposed to be doing. It is so dangerous, extremely dangerous, So he's warning us, do not listen to that stuff. Throw it out. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit. A sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. So obviously this is sobering, but bringing this up all as it has been repeated over and over over in the scriptures, make sure that we don't participate in the same things that the world's participating in particularly related to the lusts of the flesh and all manner of sexuality that is not condoned by God, right? It's, it's, it's really simple, but, you know, it touches, you take that word immoralities that really is referred to here. Um, it goes everything from porn to adultery to fornication to homosexuality. There are many, many things that are lumped into there. And, you know, this gates of evil have been poured out in this day, to try and get our eyes looking at the wrong things, our hearts filled with the wrong things, our mind filled with the wrong things, and then our bodies doing the wrong things. And so we have to be so vigilant. I mean, it sounds almost like, come on, Peter, could you talk about something else in here? But he's, he, because this is so important. He didn't even have pornography back then. But the Lord knew what we would be facing the kind of things that the enemy would be slinging out there, and there is always a way out. There is always hope. There's forgiveness. There's breaking of these chains, whether it's physical acts we've done or things we've watched or seen or allowed inside of us. We can be free. We can be set free. We can have our eyes refixed on Jesus, have our brain retrained. There is, there is huge hope, but we have to have a heart that once that, we, that wants Jesus, that wants the right thing, that's going to live the right way. We have to set these feet to walk intentionally in the right direction and put guards over our heart and over our eyes. As Job said, I, I made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to look on a woman to lust after her. He's making some intentional plans of what he will not do. 
And we have to do the same, men and women. It's not just men, it's all of us. Okay, let's go to chapter 3. Second Peter, this is now, verse 1. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, which I would say we're living in, mockers will come with their mocking, following their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Verse 5, for when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that the word of God, excuse me, that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Which is, there's a whole lot just in that right there, if you think of it. When you read the scriptures, the heavens are built on water. The earth was built with water. It says the, the beams of heaven rest on water. There's a lot to that, but that is what God has chosen to build everything from. Through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. We'll touch more on some of that when we go into our Revelation series a little bit later. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So here we have the God of the universe who lives outside of time. He's not bound by time like we are in any way, shape, or form. He created it. He lives outside of it. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's not subject to it. He can see every part of everything that's ever happened or will happen at the same time. It's amazing. It's uh, beyond our ability to understand that. But time is this dimension that God participates in but is not bound by in any way. And our times are in his hands. In what seems like a long time for us for something to happen, for God, it's not a long time, right? I remember, well, let me read this next verse first. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you. Thank you, God, for that. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You want to know God's heart for people, every single person? It's that no one would perish, not one, but everyone would come to repentance. You see that from, that's God's nature, what we're singing about today, all along. Ezekiel 18 says the same thing. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that people would repent and live. That's God's heart. I have, uh, as everyone has, four grandparents at some point. Of my four grandparents, I got to know growing up, Three of them knew Jesus, and I have a, an amazing heritage that I got to be born into of these grandparents then passing to my parents the knowledge of God and relationship with Jesus. My last, my fourth grandparent, he did not know the Lord, lived a wild life, um, lived as a drunkard much of his life. My mom said, wrecked every car they ever owned, 
Um, one time, ran one into a tree. I'll, I'll tell the story later too. And severed or cut into his artery. Had to be held together. He barely survived that. Story after story after story. And then, when he was in his as he was approaching eighty. You know, I it was just on my heart. Like I don't know how much longer he's going to live. So I remember asking him. I had some time with him together and just said, Grandpa, I, I need to know. Have you given your life to Jesus? Because this is the most important thing in the world, and I really love you. And I want to I be with you forever. And he told me that he had. And he died shortly after that. And I remember asking the Lord about that, and I did his funeral. I was the officiant of his funeral, and it was a hard thing to get through. I really love this man. And... I asked the Lord, you know, why was it that my other three grandparents all died much younger than him? They were in their 70s. He was in his 80s. And the Lord brought to my mind this scripture. The Lord's not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God was giving my grandpa, even though he wasn't living right, more time to live so that he could repent. That's how awesome God is. So if, and I know some other people too, they, they might smoke and drink like a fish and swear like a sailor and live a horrible lifestyle. And it's like, they keep living. And then you see some of them are taking care of themselves and, you know, loving God, and they die before them. It's like, what is going on? Their long life is not a testimony to their healthy living or their manner of living. Their long life is a testimony to God's patience and love for them. God will extend lives to give people every opportunity to come to him. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. He is patient toward me. He's patient toward everyone, not wishing for any to perish. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness. Again, he's talking about how we are using these bodies. The kind of words we're saying, the things that we're doing with these bodies. Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. That is uh, fascinating that there is in a way that we can hasten the return of Jesus by our conduct, by the way that we live. You know, one of the things that the Bible talks about when Jesus is talking about his return, one of them has to do with us being unified as the body of Christ, having love for one another, having no spot or wrinkle. That speaks of holiness, speaks of godliness, as we prepare ourselves and live in such a way that he wants us to live, that is an invitation for him to return. We have a part to play in this. 
How about that? We have a part to play in the timing of the return of Jesus in how we conduct ourselves and how we live holy. And and recognizing that our, our bodies, our lives, we've been purchased. You realize that, right? You've been purchased. You're no longer your own anymore. If you've get, when you said yes to Jesus, you're also saying yes to his purchase of you, of me, that we're no longer just ourselves to do whatever we want to do and whatever we feel like and go wherever we want to go, but wait a minute. I now have an owner. I now have a God and a father. I'm out in a family. What I do matters. It affects other people. And he has a plan and a purpose for me. I want to live for him, not for myself. But the day of the Lord will come, I just already read that, like a thief to some. We don't want that to be for us. Verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. I don't know exactly what that looks like. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Verse 14, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, you're awaiting his return. Be diligent to be found by him in peace. In peace, spotless and blameless. Spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. You, therefore, verse 17, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen. As he ends this letter to all of those scattered throughout Turkey, really, same people that Paul was writing to and visiting, the same people that Jesus wrote to these seven churches. These are all the same group of people. It's interesting. This isn't included. He's not speaking to those of the church of Jerusalem. He speaks to these people, these believers who are following Jesus are being persecuted. Some of the highlights here, I just want to go through from these, the last two books here, at a little bit summarizing, throw up that second slide there. There we go, yep. Our identities, first starts with that, and we went through that. You are God's chosen sons and daughters that he has purchased. You are his royalty and called to reflect his beauty and nature in the earth. It's a reminder to us. Number two is his possession. Abstain from fleshly lusts and live as bond slaves to Jesus. Three, you are called to die to sin and to live for Jesus. And in doing that, you will suffer from from doing right at times. There will be a suffering. 
Mistreatment of others, that's normal. Don't get thrown off course by that. Number four, don't be surprised at fiery trials that come your way. Don't be surprised as if something strange is happening. See it as a badge of honor for getting to serve and follow Jesus. He'll take us through these fiery trials, but don't get thrown off course by it. Number five, focus your lives on loving one another, as he says over and over again, as well as Jesus and John said the same thing. Love each other. Number six, walk in humility and partake of God's divine nature. Verse seven, or number seven, throw every worry and anxiety upon God. Get good at casting because he cares for and loves you. We have our part to play. Within God does a whole lot of things we can't do. So we can throw all those anxieties on him. Number eight, again, reminding you and I to intentionally avoid immorality in any and every fashion. And don't listen to people who teach that it's okay to participate in immorality. You'll be hearing more of those type of people as we go as well. That's just part of how this works. It's part of how the enemy works. He's trying to entangle our body so it entangles our soul and our minds, our spirit. Let's not do that. We got to stay pure, walk a life of holiness. It's not a dirty word. Holiness is a beautiful word. It's not a religious word. It's the nature of God, and we are supposed to have that nature because his spirit indwells us. So that means we are to live a life where we, are, where we feel conviction, we repent, we ask God to forgive us, we apply the blood of Jesus, and we keep moving. But we don't let those things stay in us. We don't hide things. We don't live in the, in the shadows, hiding things from God or others. Man, get it out. Expose it. Get it in the light. It's a wonderful thing. It will set us free. It will set you free when you get things in the light. Shove stuff in the light. Get it out there. Whew, gets exposed. Then you can get healed. Then you can walk free. The enemy's got nothing in you or on you. Can't mess with you in that way anymore. It's a wonderful thing, so we want to make sure we do that all the way. Lord, thank you for these books. Thank you for Peter. Thank you for these words and these instructions and the warnings as well as the encouragement and the blessings all along the way. Lord, I ask that for all of us, by your Spirit, Lord, that you would remind us of these words in the times when we need them. Lord, are we even just together collectively as you're looking for a bride that is spotless, without wrinkle, that uh, cares more about what you think than what we think. Lord, we ask for your help, Holy Spirit. We ask for your seal upon us. Lord, we also just confess our sin in any and every part, in thought and in deed, in word and in action, any and everything that offends you, God, We confess it. We get it out. We get it before you. Ask for your cleansing. Ask for your touch. Ask for your refilling. Ask for your washing. That we would have joy and have no shame. And Lord, thank you for breaking things off of us, freeing us from enslavement. Thank you for washing away all of our past, everything we brought to you and exposed and gotten in the light. Thank you that you don't remind us of it. You don't beat us up with it. It's forgiven and forgotten. 
And Lord, we won't be judged by what we've been forgiven of. Thank you, Jesus. It's just amazing that you're that way. Help us to live right in these days, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.